an amazing morning we're having today in our carol service. Hasn't it been wonderful this morning just to sing carols together? Listen to the scriptures being read by our young people. Hear a carol sung in Spanish. Been wonderful. Hear the readings read in Spanish too. And to get a visit from Father Christmas. I tell you what, throwing sweets everywhere. I think some few people got hit on the head with a couple of toffees and chocolates. But we're having a wonderful morning this morning. You know, Christmas is an incredible season. I'm sure you'll agree. That time of the year where we get to give and receive gifts from people that we love, friends and family. There's no time like it, really, in the year where we get this moment where we can just express our love one to another. I was just thinking, you know, this morning. One Christmas, I was five years of age, and I went running downstairs. We were living in Wolverhampton. I woke up Christmas morning, started shouting at the top of my voice, me and my brother. It was about 4 a.m. probably in the morning. It's Christmas! Mom! Dad, wake up! They were snoring, but we were awake, running downstairs excited, and I saw this big, huge present in the corner, and it had my name on it, beautifully wrapped. I just dived straight at it, started ripping open the wrapping, and to my surprise, there was a big orange tractor inside the wrapping. My goodness me, I was overjoyed. Didn't have a license at five years of age, but I jumped on that thing and started driving it around the house with great excitement, peeping the horn, flashing lights. We had it all. Absolutely loving it. And then I went up and down the street, annoying the neighbors on Christmas morning with my tractor. It was fantastic. You know, Every one of us in this room this morning, I'm sure, would be able to remember such occasions just like that. When we've received a gift with our name on it, a present given to us. There's nothing like it, is there? Just receiving a gift with your name on it, opening it up, and finding just something that brings you great joy. Well, that's what Christmas is all about. It really is. It's about giving gifts. It's about sharing joy. It's about expressing love to one another. And really, that's what we've been singing about this morning in all of our carols. It's what we've been hearing read from our children. We've been hearing and singing about God's gift to each and every one of us in His Son, Jesus. God, you see, is just like you and I. He loves to give gifts just like we do. And on that first Christmas, on that very first Christmas, God gave His greatest gift in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is a gift given from God to you and I. 
this Christmas. Just in the remaining moments of our service this morning, I want to talk to you about Jesus. Jesus, God's greatest gift. Luke's picture of that first Christmas when Jesus was about to be born into our world is very descript. And in fact, the Bible details it very accurately for us to understand. Luke pictures the moment when God gave Jesus his greatest gift into our world. On that very first Christmas. And I love how the Bible doesn't dress the picture up. The Bible and the writers of the Bible don't try to make that first Christmas presentable. Because Luke's description of the night when Jesus was born in Bethlehem is not like the nicely airbrushed Christmas cards that we send out every year. Those Christmas cards that we send out almost depict in picture form a perfect arrival. But Luke in his writings along with Matthew doesn't depict a perfect arrival of God's gift into our world. No, Luke's picture carries a sense of great stress and exhaustion that sudden unforeseen changes bring. Have you ever had an unforeseen change in your life? It brings stress. Sometimes it brings mental exhaustion and perplexity. But I love how the Bible details very accurately that birth narrative of Jesus. It wasn't about getting to A to B quickly. It wasn't a perfect arrival when Christ came into our world. No, there was stress. There was a sense of exhaustion. There was mental perplexity and confusion. But the Bible just pictures it very openly and honestly for us to understand. And every one of us in this room can relate to that. Because there's been times in all of our lives where we faced unforeseen changes, unplanned decisions, and we have sensed and felt perplexed by life, exhausted, and tired, and even alone. And I love how the Bible very honestly and very openly doesn't paint a perfect arrival of the Son of God into our world. No, it shows us God giving His greatest gift in Jesus Christ and Him coming into darkness, Him coming into one of the most difficult times in human history and being born right in the middle of it to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring hope and to release us from sin's power. Mary and Joseph were forced to make a sudden unexpected decision in traveling to Bethlehem from their hometown in Nazareth. And that journey was about 
a hundred miles. And they had to travel on the back of a mule at best. There was no comfortable way of getting there. It was a struggle. It was a hardship. And it had not been planned. And it was certainly unforeseen. And when you look at the picture that Luke presents and you look at the picture that Matthew presents of that first Christmas of when Christ was to come into our world, the decisions and the choices that this young couple were making seem so erratic. Seem as if they hadn't been thought through because they hadn't. Mary was heavily pregnant, about to give birth, and now they're having to make a journey, a trip from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And it was chaotic, it was unplanned, and it was unforeseen. Luke doesn't say it, but it's not hard to imagine the panic. And the uncertainty that Joseph and Mary must have felt from this unplanned decision. Yet, now this is the amazing thing. In the midst of all of the chaos, in the midst of all of the confusion, in the midst the lack of planning and the erratic decisions that were being made, God's perfect plan was being outworked in amidst all of that chaos, in amidst all of that confusion, in amidst all of the fear and the uncertainty that Joseph and Mary must have felt. God's perfect plan was being worked out. Yet on the surface of it all, it would have seen, seemed quite contrary to them. You see, God's perfect plan was for Jesus to actually be born in Bethlehem. Caesar Augustus was wielding his power, was declaring that everybody had to return to their hometown. And Joseph and Mary, Joseph particularly, was just simply obeying that Roman decree. So it looked on the surface of things that this Caesar was just wielding his power and controlling their lives at the most inopportune time. And yet, God's plan was being fulfilled perfectly. Because Micah the prophet, in Micah chapter 5, had declared way, way before the decision of Caesar Augustus that the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior, would be born in Bethlehem. Let's read Luke chapter 2, verse 1 through to verse 7. It says this, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor, was governing Syria. 
So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room in the inn. Just nine, just nine months before this very night when Jesus was born, Mary had received the headline news from heaven in her hometown of Nazareth as Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, visited her, proclaiming that she was highly favored of the Lord. She would bring forth the Son of God whose kingdom would never end. Jesus, the Son of the highest, the Savior of our world, would be born through her. That was the headline news that Mary had heard as Gabriel gave that message to her in her home in Nazareth from God. And that news, that headline from heaven caused Mary to rejoice. She sang her song of praise to God about His favor, overjoyed in her heart to know that she would be the one to bring God's promise into our world. But if those remarks about Mary's life of being favored by God were the only remarks that were recorded in the Bible, we would think that Mary was going to have an easy ride. We would think that this young woman was going was gonna to breeze through life. You're highly favored by God. God is with you. You're going to bring the Son of God, heaven's highest, into our world. And if that was the only headline that we knew from her life, it would be easy to think that everything would just work out well for this young woman. But both Luke and Matthew show us the complete picture, revealing all the events that would follow as both Joseph and Mary suffered incredible hardship, faced great impossibilities that God had to get them through as they obeyed His Word for their lives. Because after hearing this glorious headline news from heaven, after receiving it into her heart, came all the small fine print details of walking out God's plan in daily life. And the small fine print details of life 
that Mary and Joseph had to live out day by day looked very, very different from the great headline news from heaven that had first been given when Gabriel came to her home just nine months before. The headline had told Mary to rejoice because God was with her. Yet now another ruler, Caesar Augustus, who was revered as Almighty God in his empire, rose up and was ordering them to return to Bethlehem. Ordering and controlling their movements. And it was all unplanned. And it was all unforeseen. And then when they arrived in Bethlehem, suddenly they're looking for a room to stay in because Jesus is about to be born. But there was nowhere to lay their heads to rest. There was no secure enclosure. They tried in after in, and it seemed as if every door was being closed in their face. Even though they wanted to bring God's greatest gift, and were going to bring God's greatest gift into our world, all doors were being closed. If you're highly favored by God, doesn't that mean that everything should be laid out in front of you? Doesn't it mean that it should be easy going in life if you're favored by God. If you knock on a door, doesn't it mean that it should auto automatically open for you? Well, it didn't for Joseph and Mary. They knocked on many doors. And every place was full. And there was no room. There was no room anywhere. For this Christ child to be born. To any onlooker, the picture wouldn't look as if you're highly favored by God at all. To any outsider looking on into this picture of their lives as they were just trying to pursue God's purpose and plan obediently, it wouldn't look as if God was with them, or God was close to them, or God was helping them. It would seem quite the opposite. It would seem as if they were cursed, not favored. They were left alone to work things out, not guided and helped and aided by God. The picture... To many would seem confusing. The picture to many would seem chaotic. With all doors closed. Feeling the rejection of their hometown. Mary has to lay down in a dark, dirty cattle stall. Surrounded by the acrid smell of manure and live animals. And there, there, right there, in that cold cattle shed, Mary gave birth to the Son of God. Open in a public place, 
not enclosed in a warm, secure room. No, there was nothing sterile about the place in which Mary gave birth to the Son of God. They were just left alone to struggle and panic their way through as they brought Jesus, our Savior, into our world. Yet, this humble couple didn't raise their fist up against God. They didn't become bitter. They didn't complain. I'm sure they didn't understand the circumstances and the mysterious way in which God was leading them. They didn't understand, but they went with it. They trusted. In amidst all of their fears, their faith in Him shone through. They never once questioned God. They never once raised their voice against God. In relation to all of the conflicting circumstances that were facing them. They just embraced them. And moment by moment stepped forward in the plan and the purpose that God had for them. Nobody, nobody in their right mind could ever imagine a little baby being born in a back street cattle shed without any help. It's unthinkable. Joseph and Mary tried so hard to find a room to be offered help, but there was no help. There was no room. So they had to lay down in a public place and bring the Son of God into our world in a way that they wouldn't have chosen. All of their attempts to get help had failed. But now, Christ was born in a place that was very public, a place that they wouldn't have chosen, that none of us would have chosen. But he came and was born on that night. You know, I don't believe that it was a mistake or a mishap of circumstance that Jesus, God's greatest gift, was born in a backyard cattle shed. It wasn't a mistake. It was designed by God. Because that open cattle shed, full of its acrid smells, full of its chaos, mirrors the human heart like no other place. Because the human heart and the soul of man without Jesus is empty and alone. And we try our best to dress it up. We try our best to make it look picture perfect. But deep down in the heart, without Jesus Christ, there is no peace. Without Jesus Christ, there is no joy. Without Jesus Christ, the heart will always be a cold, empty place with no peace in it. No matter how many things we fill our lives with, 
good things, great things. We try to draw value from them. We try to draw security and fulfillment from things. And yet, the heart cannot be filled. The heart cannot be satisfied. The heart cannot find its joy until Christ comes to be born there. That's the story about Christmas. That's the message that comes through. And the greatest, the greatest message of it all is this. That God is still willing and still desires to give his greatest gift, Jesus, into the dirty stable of our heart. That's where Christ wants to be born. You may think, well, can I clean it up first? Can I make it presentable to God? Impossible. Can I ready it for His arrival? You'll never do it. No, Jesus Christ was born in a stable, in a dirty cattle shed. That's where He came. And it mirrors the human heart perfectly. And if we will open our heart to Christ this Christmas, he'll be born there again. And we'll find our joy, our peace, and our fulfillment in him. The heart needs him. The heart of man longs for him. God, knowing this, is willing to give his greatest gift this Christmas, Jesus Christ, into your heart. I know this morning you may be visiting here, may, may have come for the first time, you may have been a number of times, but can I ask you the most important question that you will ever hear in your life? Have you opened your heart to Jesus Christ? Have you given him your life? If not, why not? He's not going to make you religious. He's not going to arm wrestle you to the floor and put you in a neck hold and demand that you do things his way from now on. No. He wants to bring you peace. He wants to bring you joy. He wants to, at the center of your life, give you life, real life, eternal life. One of the greatest joys of my life was when I stopped fighting God. And I realized that God didn't want to have a fight with me anyway. He loved me. And he just wanted to be my friend. And give me the greatest gift that he's given to mankind. Salvation in his son, Jesus. And on that day, in a field, in Bilthwells, in a tent, as a 15-year-old boy, I cried like a baby because as I simply believed and I opened the door of my heart, I suddenly found 
the Prince of Peace, Christ, being born in the dirty stable of my heart. Even at 15, I knew I couldn't clean it up. Even at 15 years of age, I knew that I needed something more than what was being offered me. And all of the empty, hollow promises that were calling to me, I needed Jesus. And when I surrendered, when I surrendered, peace came, joy came, love came. It wasn't a magic wand to make everything easy. And I've said this before and I'll probably say it again. There's been lots of ups and downs and ups and downs. But you know what? Through it all, his peace and his joy, his comfort and his strength and his love has remained in my heart. Today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray just before we sing again, Silent Night. I'm going to pray in a moment, but I want to read to you from Revelation chapter 3. One verse, that's all. Try and listen to this really carefully because it's a very graphic picture. And the picture is of Jesus coming to the door of your heart. You see, you're so valuable to him. You're so precious to him. You're not a number. He knows your name. He knows your life. He knows your heart and the state that it's in. And he knows how much you need him. He won't demand. He won't kick the door down. And force you to accept him. He won't. And this verse shows us that he respects you. He loves you. He knocks at the door today again. And he's been knocking quite for some time. Patiently for some of us. And today again, he knocks on your door. And he just leaves the question, will you let me in? Can I come in? Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says this. It's such a wonderful, wonderful picture of Jesus' care to each and every one of us. Now this is Jesus speaking. He says this, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone, anyone at all, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. See, you have to open the door. You have to make the choice to believe. You have to make the choice to leave your pride. Leave your pride. You have to make the choice to say, Jesus, I'm letting you come in. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, Jesus won't open the door. He knocks. That's his part. Knock, 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 knock. Now, the next part is your part. Open the door, okay? If anyone opens the door, I will. Now, this is a promise. This is a promise. This is the miracle that takes place, that can take place today and for the rest of your life. This is the miracle. You see, when Jesus steps in to the, to the open heart, a miracle takes place. 
new life begins and peace is given. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Amen. I'm going to pray right now and I'm going to give you an opportunity. I just want to help you. Because I know there's people in this room this morning and you want to place your trust in Jesus Christ. You want to make him your saviour. You're not going to become religious. No, you're going to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray this morning. And as you simply place your trust in Jesus Christ and you open the door of your heart, you'll find the Prince of Peace come to live on the inside of you. And you will have a relationship with him. A feast with him for the rest of your life. Let's just pray in this moment right now. We're going to sing Silent Night. I'm going to ask the singers, rest of the singers to come who are going to be singing that carol for us. But to express your faith and your trust in Jesus on this new day of your life today, why don't you? You repeat these words after me just to help you express it quietly in your heart. Why don't you say this? Jesus, I don't understand how this works, but I know my heart needs you. I need forgiveness for my sin. I need your peace. I need this joy. Jesus, I don't understand, but I believe that you are God's greatest gift given for me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I believe that and I accept it today. Thank you for rising from the dead on the third day. I believe it. I accept it. And I, on this day, want you to be the Lord of my life I open the door to my heart right now come in come in Jesus my saviour amen amen that's it you haven't got to jump through any hoops you haven't got to walk on a tightrope He's in, he's in, and he's in to stay. Not to control you, but to set you free, to give you joy and peace in everything you do through life, amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, listen, if a friend brought you, why don't you let them know after the service today so that they can encourage you. They're gonna be thrilled 
that you prayed that prayer. They can encourage you and they can walk beside you in the decision that you've made. Amen. Amen.